Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mildly Heroic, the Pathfinder RPG podcast. Oh, well, you guys know what time it is. It's what time. Is time. It? Yay! <laughs> My favorite time. And welcome everybody to Mildly Heroic Special Announcement Stream, complete with the snow left over from the Christmas holiday special stream. Because <laughs> I didn't want to make any new assets, so there you go. It's still snowing here in Pennsylvania. Well, it was icing, but... It is. And uh, we have a, a special new member with us today. Now, I almost said guest, but joining Mildly Heroic <laughs> no, is... No, not a guest. I will let you guys introduce our new member because he's your friend especially, and I've just met him today. Yeah, so I'll let I... let Sarah introduce him. If I point down, I think he's below me. It is. So, yes, I require an introduction. Okay, so this is Brandon. Um, he will be joining Mildly Heroic. Uh, Brandon has been gaming with some of us for quite a while, so I've talked several times on our streams about GMing Rise of the Rune Lords, and Brandon is in my Rise of the Rune Lords game, and he also was part of the original group that started Pathfinder with Josh's GM, which we've also talked about once in a while. Um, fond memories of those days when, fun fact, Kieran was my very first character, and that's how Josh knew him and Jason knew him. Yeah, uh, I think I have uh, made fun of that whole time multiple occasions. <laughs> Terrible DMing, uh, Good, good players. I, I have to say that was that was one good thing. We all we all stuck together through it, so that was good. Yeah, for being our very first role playing group, it was <laughs> it was fun and it was a jumping off point, and we we had a good time. I think. So. However, if you name one of the classic do not do things, uh, we probably did that. All of them. Yeah. All of them. Absolutely I think. did. GMPC yeah. happened. Happened. Um, yep, he was there. Mm-hmm. He was chilling. Super broody uh, edge sorcerer. Lord. Edge lord. Not yep. not just an edge lord. Um, a lone wolf, dare I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we also had one of those Jason's character who just Adult, wanted yeah. to go do her own thing. Two lone wolves. <laughs> Two lone wolves. Uh, to be fair, there wasn't much of a main narrative to latch onto, so that's that's also rushing in with homebrew instead yep. of just learning an AP and doing that. It's way yep. easier. Real, realistically, that group would have uh, gotten through the first set of encounters and then completely gone different ways. Completely done their own thing. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. But those days are behind us now. We are upon new days for. Uh, visions of Feinda or the mildly heroic thing. I think I'll pass it back to someone else to announce that news. I guess I can be the one to uh, to make this announcement because it's kind of spawned from um, a decision I've uh, had to make. So uh, to those of you listening in the podcast or watching in the stream later, um, I've 
I'm having to drop out of Mildly Heroic, at least for a season, uh, to focus on uh, other things in life, lifestyle changes uh, to just improve mental health. And I'm a very, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a very empathetic person to a fault. And as a result of that, when I act or do role-playing, I, I take it a bit too far, I think, in my own psyche, and I don't compartmentalize well, and it was just becoming too much for me um, personally. So uh, as much as I enjoyed everything about it, there's nothing personal with anybody in this group. It's just, just uh, my own personal growth that I want to work on in this time, and everybody's been so graciously uh, uh, patient with with me in that regard and it just happened to work out super well that Brandon was really wanting to get in on this so he's going to be taking up the mantle of the uh, the other player that is going to be filling in my spot there so and as a result of that that's why we have this new campaign going on Modric. right so as part of that segue we haven't explained it yet I think Sarah why don't you go ahead and take that yeah so uh, kind of just to work on the new group cohesion and um, to kind of, you know, work our way in, back into Iron Fang, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And I'm actually going to GM a module that I picked up around Christmas time. Nice. Wasn't planning on running it this quickly, but uh, <laughs> the opportunity arose, so I will take it and run with it. Um, the module is called Ire of the Storm. And it's going to be backwards on here, but basically it is a module where you start at first level and over the course of the module, you will level up to at least fifth level. And the expectation is that you'll hit sixth level kind of right at the end. So you don't really play at sixth level all that much. Uh, You will play through fifth level and then hopefully be level six at the end with the intention that you know, should we wish to continue on and do a module that starts at sixth level, we could feasibly take whatever characters we have at the end and just kind of move into another module and go from there. And I don't think we haven't exactly talked yet. If we're, are we planning on doing that all the way through to level five and then jumping back in later, or how how much of the book were you hoping to run? Basically, I was going to do start to finish. I thought I thought we were all in agreement on that, but I wasn't sure if anybody was like itching to get back to Iron Fang. So for the next little while, we will be doing a, a completely new campaign, completely new cast, new series. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really exciting because we refer to them as the Lost Annals. But it's funny, we have uh, three sessions that we did for Iron Fang prior that never got recorded. Um, I thought were really, really, really good. So I'm excited to hop into a new campaign with with no content or gap between audience and player knowledge. Not that Irfang has suffered very much for that gap, but I'm excited to jump into something new, and I think it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So kind of off of that, um, we'll be talking a little bit about characters and. Josh and Justin are still building their characters, but um, before we kind of move on to something else, I did just want to go through real quickly what we did for characters for this module, which is a little bit different. Um, It started off kind of with a joke to Jason, where he had mentioned to me how he kind of wanted to roll for a character for a racing class, just to see what he would end up with. Wow. Um, And so that got me thinking, 
hey, what if I put together a table of races and classes and we just rolled a D100 and um, kind of changed it up a little bit to give it some different rules. And what we ended up with was we did a few practice runs with Jason. We were like, he rolled a druid like four times in a row. And I, I said, all right, I got to come up with something so that this doesn't yeah. keep happening. The, the main issue is that I'm currently playing an investigator for Rise of the Rune Lords. I rolled investigator three times, no yeah. less than three times. Uh, and I think I rolled some of the other classes that I've played before. Like I was constantly rolling repeats. So, mm-hmm. so after yeah. some so, home rules were filled in to accommodate yeah. that. Yep, basically, um, on this table I created, uh, which has some races and classes that I wouldn't normally allow, per se. Um, I kind of modified the ranges to sort of fit with the setting, so um, certain classes, for example, like the Occultist. I just threw in the Occultist for 100. So somebody rolled a 100 on a D100, that was an option. Um, and so what they did was they could roll three D100s for race, three D100s for class, and then choose any combination of those races in class um, as their character. So we'll get into that a little bit more, but I didn't know if there was anything else we wanted to chat about before we kind of got into Ire of the Storm. I know Andrew had some stuff, some residual stuff from Iron Fang Invasion that I don't oh. know if he was going to do a song for us or not, but I know he did have a couple of, or at least one song that you didn't get to in the actual campaign if you wanted to do it for us. Sure. I actually thought that might be a, a good way to cap off the stream whenever we're done okay. um, making discussing characters or uh, talking about, if we could reflect on uh, the mildly heroic um, Visions of Feindar campaign if, if we wanted or answer any uh, questions on Twitch. If anybody hops on, we'll see what happens. Um, and then yeah, I figured I'd, I'd round on. off the night um, singing the one you guys haven't heard yet and or revisiting any songs like the Ode to Elwood if we wanted to <laughs> to uh, close it my out favorite. As, a, as a bookend. That's actually made it to my music playlist and the <laughs> playlist. My siblings and I, we have like a, a shared playlist on Spotify that we can all like add songs and we keep it updated with stuff. And uh, The Ballad of Elwood has has made that list. So I <laughs> frequently oh, I'm honored. <laughs> Ulrit would be thrilled. To be fair, it's probably just part of my ego and narcissism, but you should take a lot of credit for that. Hey. <laughs> Ulrit won't shy away from any attention. That's true. That's true. Um, in that case, I should probably pull up roll 20 because unlike everyone else, I have not gotten started at all. I've been super busy at work, but we finally did, like I said to these guys earlier, finished all that up, so I've got plenty of time to start well, you're pulling uh, that making up. Sarah, what made you decide um, to pick Ire of the Storm specifically? Ooh, that's a great question. That is a good question. Um, so Paizo was having a sale before Christmas, and I knew I wanted to buy something because I, why wouldn't you want to buy something? So <laughs> I was looking through, and Jason actually bought the Hell's Rebels full adventure path, which, oh. oh, man, someday, years in the future, maybe we'll get to that one. Whoa. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that one's super exciting, especially because I don't know anything about it, really. Um, I, to be fair, I didn't really know anything about Iron Fang Invasion either, but 
Um, there's just too much, too many APs out there to play. Not enough time. Oh man! All right, time to get time to get the one I've been. Hopefully, we're gonna run someday. Um, I'll grab that too. Um, <laughs> I think I know which one Josh is grabbing. Yeah. Which one yeah. of these days? One of would these be days. a great follow-up for Rise of the Rune Lords because oh, it would be so good. It's basically it is the second one after Rise of the Rune Lords, isn't it? It is the second one. It is the Curse of the Crimson Throne. Look at that anniversary edition. This isn't actually mine. A friend let me borrow it indefinitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it back to him after I use it, but that might be years from now. We'll we'll see. It will be years from now. It will be years from now. <laughs> it it will be a while. Decades even. Um yeah, it might be a decade. Probably a decade. <laughs> but we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. But anyway, back to Ire of the Storm. So I was browsing the Paizo material that they had on sale, and I was reading the reviews, and I do this periodically where I will just, you know, Google what are some of the best Pathfinder modules and read what people have to say. And this particular module was one that was highly rated on the website. And it also intrigued me because it takes place in Sargava, which is in southern Galarian, um, which is way different from any setting that we've played in so far. Um, We've done Verizia for Rise of the Rune Lords, and Iron Fang Invasion, I think, is also Verizia. Is that right? Iron Fang Invasion is Nirmathis. Nirmathis. (laughs) It technically borders Verizia, I think, over the Mindspin Mountains to the... Uh, to the east. Okay, I thought uh, Verizia was the region, not like a country. Verizia is a country, as far as I'm aware. Oh, okay, yeah, I did not know that. But we are in. Um, there is a. Oh, what's it called? So there's a region of the world that's like near Mothis, Molthun, Last Wall, and like that whole lake area, and it's got a name, and I can't remember it right now. You're not thinking of the river kingdoms are you because that's no not those are not red boy that's so, yeah, so, so not the holds of belkson no, no holds those of are their own are thing their yeah own thing. they're very close to that region um the very holds cool. of belkson's border near mythos to the north yeah to the north yeah oh. so anyway sargafa is southern galarian which is near the Mwangi expanse so think jungle rainforest kind of that setting so i thought that would be exciting to do and then starting at first level is refreshing because right now we're eighth level in rise of the rune lords and it's getting stressful (laughs) and we just hit fifth level in iron fang invasion so you start getting up to higher levels and it it's a lot of fun but it can get complicated especially for gm so going back to first level is a lot of fun and kind of a fresh start and like I said, gives us a canvas to continue on to other modules should we choose. With, so that's uh, kind with, of where that came from. Actually, characters, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm personally really excited um, because we've done desert adventures, we've done classic fantasy, we haven't done a winter uh, setting, but we absolutely have not gone to the jungles yet in, in any capacity in any of our games. So I am super 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 excited for that and uh, that's why I've, I've leaned into that side uh, a lot for my character that I'm bringing in so I think it's going to be a good time absolutely <laughs> I'd like to hear a little bit from our, our newest member Brandon tell uh, the audience yeah. a little bit about yourself how long have you been doing uh, tabletop RPGs uh, and uh, 
What are you looking forward to most about doing this next module? I know we talked a little bit in the Facebook chat about it, but uh, I'd like to hear a little bit straight from uh, you. So I've been doing tabletop gaming for quite some time. Um, back when I was in high school, played a lot with my friends. We did uh, older D and D, uh, vampires, masquerade, White Wolf. Um, we did Bessum, so kind of an anime style. So we, we did a lot. Never like wow. anything full blown. Um, it was like a continual campaign. I feel like every time we met, we made new characters that we would just play in for like once or twice, and then somebody else would just come up with like a homebrew thing, and we would mess around. So. It was a good time. So this is the first that I've actually had like a core group to play with for an extended campaign with a character we've played for quite some time. So it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited for the new campaign, Eye of the Storm. Um, this year said just to try something new. You know, at first, I you know when I made my first character um, for Loose Rune Lords. I was really attached to it, and I didn't want them to die, and I wanted to keep them all the way to the end, but Jason and Sarah kind of broke me between just <laughs> continually mocking we me. We broke or, you. <laughs> yeah, so now it's it's nice to play something new, like um, to get something fresh. And yeah. probably what I'm most looking forward to is getting a lot of crits or something in the game to make Sarah get all ragey. That's always fun. <laughs> um, it's always a blast to see the green in the roll chat. Well, it's uh, funny, in this game, with her as a player, you, you should get used to seeing a lot of red. That tends to be the, the circumstance. <laughs> Lots of natural ones. Well, the audience yeah. will be in for a treat to have somebody who actually knows how to play the game filling my, <laughs> my, the gap that I'm leaving behind. And uh, so that'll be that'll be fun. I'll, I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing your guys' chemistry. And uh, it's going to be good. Oh yeah, I don't know if I know as much as you. Trust me, I get corrected a lot, uh, <laughs> but I try my I'll try my best. Did you know that can. you can do unlimited cantrips? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's hard to beat me in, in the ignorance game. <laughs> but, but I didn't know that there's certain cantrips wizards aren't supposed to get automatically. Yes. Right, Sarah. So yeah, I yeah, started off rare with cantrips. Rare cantrips and, mm -hmm. Somebody didn't let me try to scroll those and sell them either to make some extra gold on the side. That was disappointing. Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah, I I'm I'm pretty restrictive when it comes to fun stuff. So <laughs> you, my players well, you, get frustrated. You get that, but that's that's work you coming in too. Same same with Nick, a guy from our other thing. Is what you do at work? You're just very black and white, and it sometimes can ruin fun. So I just have to know <laughs> now. I look at it where. If I'm on the fence, like, is can I do this or not? I just know to instinctively say no. So I get really surprised with sometimes, like, oh no, that's fine. It's like, who am I talking to? Yeah, if you haven't caught on, Brandon and I met originally because we work together. So nice. uh, we started off working in the same department probably, what, five years ago at this point. And yeah. it was funny because. Did you mention Halo or did I mention Halo? I don't remember how the conversation I don't remember how it went, but Brandon just came running over and he said, did we just become best friends? <laughs> and from that point on, it was like, yes, 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 we did. Oh, <laughs> awesome. we, we work together, so I bugger all day there. And then we have every other week our Rune Lords campaign. And then when I asked Jason about, you know, being interested in coming into Iron Fan, because originally I couldn't think I could commit. And then just so happens now I'm helping to replace. But uh, 
I was just surprised Sarah's okay with that because I mean I don't know how much she wants <laughs> to put up with me throughout a weekly basis. I, so. I guess I should clarify too. I don't see an audience should not see Brandon as a replacement or just a yeah. fill-in. He is a new welcome addition to the team. Yeah. We have talked about for, that. For now, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what the future holds. No, we have talked about that, though, too, because Andrew has mentioned that it, it might become a possibility, you know, down the line that, you know, he's interested in coming back or rejoining. We're going to be flexible with that. And Jason has even gone so far as to say that, that if need be, we'll, we'll play Iron Fang Invasion with five. You know, we'll, we'll make whatever works, works. Um, and it is a new addition. That's the right way to think about it. Hey, Justin, you're here, right? Yeah. Okay, you've just been quiet. You know, I just thought... Trying to get this character started. <laughs> I, <laughs> you understand. Good segue. Like, you're there. Let's like, talk you, new characters. You yeah. 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 So first, let's see if you guys can remember what you even rolled and then what you chose. So let's start with Jason, <laughs> just because I know he's put a lot of thought into this. He was the OG when it came to this module. He knew that I purchased it before anybody else did. And... Um, as soon as we talked about what it was, he was building a character and he said, I, I think I want to play a barbarian for your, your module. Well, you know, once we, you know, homebrewed this rolling to find your class and character, it just so worked out that, you know, his character idea wasn't that far off from what he ended up rolling. So Jason, if you want to take it away and kind of go through, um, what you rolled, if you can remember, or just go right into the character I that you chose. I think I can remember some of the. So, I don't remember all of the options that I had for race, but I think the classes I had, the options were wizard, blood rager, and gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go gunslinger. Uh, so the races I think must have been halfling because I was going to go halfling gunslinger. I think. Yep. And I think human. You were I can't remember. I think what the you third had elf because we talked it about elf been. wizard. Yeah, maybe. I think you maybe. had elf. So kind of boring for the races because yeah. I had a whole lot of yeah. Choices. So I, I ended up going with a uh, human blood rager because my idea was a Mwangi human barbarian. So it was pretty close to what I was going for. I didn't really need to change too much. Um, and mine is already built. Has been built for a while now. Although I have been kind of changing stuff around constantly. I just recently changed one of the feats around. But I think at this point we're we're good. We're done. Uh, I don't know how much detail we want to go in. I could like read off the whole backstory and everything. I'll leave that up to you. I'll yeah. leave that entirely up to you. So whatever you want to share, feel free. If you want stuff to come out in the, the game, then you only need to share what you're comfortable with. Well, I don't... I mean, I've got like... It's only like what five, six, seven, eight paragraphs? Pages. Do do a dramatic <laughs> reading for me. I think that I personally would appreciate that. I didn't write it to be dramatically written. So I mean, read it. Read. <laughs> if read. I need it, it in a. Come up, I was gonna have Morgan Freeman read mine because that way it would sound a lot better. Yeah, I meant, I meant <laughs> yeah. to email him actually, but he. I just I forgot to CC him on the message. So. Yeah. Oh. It was only to him, and I forgot. To <laughs> <laughs> Josh is he's the same person that he sends a message to with all emails, just to make sure they got it. Right? Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> I work at an office. That's I know how email works, Sarah. I know how correspondence works. I went to school for that. I can send an email. Um. Yeah. I guess a summary is 
Uh, the idea for this guy, his name is Miyabe. Um, he's he grew up as a member of the Basso tribe. I don't know if that's how you necessarily pronounce it, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. Uh, and he has like charcoal black skin, and he's like this massive guy. I think I have him at like seven foot three, two hundred eighty pounds. Like he's huge, uh, and uh, he's actually well. I guess we'll have to wait and see what Josh's character ends up like. But the idea is that he is extraordinarily superstitious against magic. So he refuses to allow anyone to cast magic on him unless it is a tribal shaman. And miraculously, one of the options that Josh rolled, spoiler, was a shaman. Yeah, like so not he, even when, intentional. None of this was talked about ahead of time. This was just no. Like I had this idea way ahead, yeah. and then yeah. he. Ro- I was. This was before anybody else had rolled, and I was like, I really anybody really hope somebody rolls a shaman because otherwise my guy is screwed anybody watching the stream can see uh, the picture that jason chose (laughs) to get a good idea (laughs) yeah he's a big dude shredded dude um jason i I imagine that you were really trying to go as realistic as close to real life as possible with the body type for your character um, I'm assuming your own gains are what inspired this look. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's been telling me he's been going to the gym for the past month. Now, I too. Right? I two, too am two seven foot three. Yeah. yeah. And have your beautiful black skin. charcoal black skin. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited to play this guy. I think it'll be fun. <laughs> I'm changing up some, like, so... It probably won't be that much different than how Nayari was played as a Blood Rager, because she conserved her rage. Also, welcome yeah. to the stream, Quite Sammy. Yes, dang boy, he thick. <laughs> what's up, what's good? Welcome to the one of the things that I hope will be fun to use is uh, uh, one of the feats that I took, I swapped it out for one of the ones that I originally was going to take, is Bludgeoner. Basically just lets me do non-lethal damage without a penalty. Interesting. My main we weapon is a that. bludgeoning weapon, so... Yeah, we don't see that very often. Or wait, so you said let, do bl- non-lethal damage or bludgeoning damage? So I can deal non-lethal damage without a penalty if I'm using a bludgeoning weapon, which is my primary weapon. I don't, one thing I'm not 100% sure, so I have the option of getting natural attacks that deal bludgeoning and slashing. I don't know if that means I can choose to deal non-lethal because they deal bludgeoning, or if I can't because they also deal slashing. I'm not sure how that works yet. We'll figure that one out. (laughs) It'll probably be up to my call. So yeah, I'll think about probably, it. Just probably. call it backhands every time you roll it. Just say this is a backhand. Yeah, it's an unarmed strike, right? Yeah, so you just do whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the that's one of the things that I don't like about natural attacks is that they just do all of the damage types for some reason, for some inane reason. They do some all of them, them do. Some of them do. Like bites do all of like, them. A bite, I feel like, should just do piercing. That's the one that makes yeah. the most sense. Claws should do slashing. Um, I could even see slashing on a bite, but bludgeoning. What are you gonna do? Nuzzle it with your nose? Like I don't understand. I mean, why. You're, I mean, you are crushing down on it, but still, I feel like the piercing side. Yeah, I don't know. That's just me. 
It doesn't matter, and it's mostly because uh, to help monsters, really, to get a diverse range of, of attacks. I'm sure it's got to do with early iterations of the game and balancing PCs versus creatures that you're fighting. I'm, I'm sure that's got some history there. I'll have to look into that someday. Maybe, but in the current iteration of Pathfinder, PCs don't generally get damage reduction against specific things. Right, exactly. So I'm sure it might be a carryover. There's a couple of things like that, though, that are kind of fun to see, like carryovers from 3.5 that just don't actually make sense for Pathfinder, but are still there. And other things that got cut out, obviously. But yeah, I think your character's really cool. I am excited yeah, so I'm excited about that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see another Blood Rager in action. The uh, going a different be atrocious. Route. Oh. Oh, yeah. I, well, I have to play all these <laughs> Ooh, NPCs. And yeah. just full disclosure, uh, if you've listened to Iron Fang Invasion, sometimes yeah. accents just leak from my mouth. <laughs> when I try to do them on purpose, it doesn't work well. So we'll see how that okay. goes. <laughs> we'll see how the accents go. And if I butcher them, I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> really not. Um, but yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, he's going to do a different flavor in a Blood Rager than what Nayari is, was, whatever. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that will play out and if he can survive to be fifth level as she currently is. Probably not because I didn't, I did my Blood Rager the normal way. I gave Nayari the option of going like using chained or unchained rage so that you didn't just die when you fell out of it. I'm doing the normal one, so if I go unconscious, I have a very high chance of just outright going into negative 50 and dying. I look forward to it. So I think I'm the next best springboard off of that since our characters are related. Unfortunately, I have not written any of the backstory or or collaborated as much as I would like to, Um, but in quick detail... Any of the character? No. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. But I do have the idea. I do have it settled on what I'll be doing. Uh, I remember being really excited about Sarah's chart of available races because, like she mentioned earlier, there was some crazy stuff on there that, like, she would never normally let me play. So I was really hoping I'd get something like an Undyne or, like, an Orin or something. I got an Undyne. <laughs> yeah, like, something For amazing. Yeah, there was a Ripley option, even. I'm like, I could be a frog person, but no. <laughs> no, I uh, rolled three races. Ribbit. All of them core races. So I got halfling, dwarf, and half elf. And I was like, oh my gosh, how boring. But thankfully, uh, I can't remember what the other two classes are that I rolled, although I do think they were also core. I lucked out getting a shaman which i was really interested in because for the longest time uh i've been planning on playing a uh, oracle um and i've just never really had a campaign where that character would fit um and then this one i think a shaman would do well so they're kind of the same vein so i feel like i'm tapping into that a little bit so this i'm really is, uh, excited josh's character on the stream those watching right now yeah and josh kid. fun fact you rolled a paladin an oh, oracle yeah. or a shaman. So you rolled right. all divine casters. <laughs> all divine I remember now. All divine casters. I technically had played a paladin before, but not really because I don't think playing a character for a round counts. <laughs> uh, but that was fun. And then I, I got to do the other two. And I went with shaman because I thought it fit the campaign better. And they're kind of a similar flavor to the oracle. Shaman, shamans and oracles are remarkably similar. Yeah, uh, very, the very spirit similar. abilities of the shaman are 
I think almost identical in a lot of ways to the mysteries of an oracle. They're yeah, very they're similar. Very similar. Um, they don't get a curse though, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Correct. They don't have a curse. That's, that's the one big difference that I can think of off the top of my head. Oracles yep. all get curses. That's the one reason I've never been able to successfully build an oracle. <laughs> Sammy in the chat, Josh says, "Crimit, I see what you did there, Josh." That's not Josh's. Crimit's not Josh. No, no that's not me. That's not me. We'll let's let's that. move into that. Let's go to that. Spring springboard to my Gripley. Oops. Yeah. yeah. There you go. My bad. So I, yeah, I I did look back through the chat here to see what I originally rolled. Um, so for my races, I got a Gripley, Rat Folk, and an Elf. Oh my gosh, those are so cool. So I did not. <laughs> I already have an Elf. I didn't want to play a boring core race. So I had to do Gripley. I didn't know what Gripley was until I think... One of our campaigns we did, Sarah, you had mentioned about Gripley just from something, and I'm like, I just knew I had to play because it, it was a frog character. Or frog well, race. I actually, yeah, I had actually created a Gripley cleric of Caden Kalian for Iron Fang back in the very beginning, and he's not going to be, I scrapped him, but Gripley are hilarious. So uh, I was excited when you rolled a Gripley, let alone a Gripley gunslinger. Oh, sorry. Well, so then, <laughs> it's okay. Okay. It pales, anyway, it yeah. pales in comparison Surprise. to how awful I was to you, Sarah, last then, session um, last week. I still apologize a million times. <laughs> well, see, the thing, the thing about, you know, sorcerers is that <laughs> you really have to remember. It's like, like Josh. Come really? on, man. Come on. Josh. Man. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Brandon. On with uh, your... So... I race. And then uh, for the classes, I had a Sorcerer, uh, Inquisitor, and a Unchained Barb. So I knew Jason was already doing a Blood Rager, so I didn't feel like doing mm. a Barb on top of that. So either I had Sorcerer, Inquisitor, which... Uh, Sorcerer, I, I have in uh, the Rune Lord campaign um, a level 8, well, now a level 8 wizard, so I didn't really feel too keen, even though I know they're different. I didn't really feel like playing another... Uh, you know, arcane. Mage, yeah, arcane class. So then I had the Inquisitor, which um, I dabbled a little bit. That's when we did Jason's homebrew, where we knew more than J uh, Josh's module, but still not as much as we know now. <laughs> so I, I was leaning toward that, and then Sarah's like, you know what, I'll let you get a reroll on the bar, because that was my first class I played with Josh's campaign, was Karzan, the handicap orc, which was... Nobody enjoyed that. No, we just don't <laughs> talk about it. I yeah. enjoyed it. I thought he was fun, but I'd like to bring him back, loincloth and all. But anyway, <laughs> so I rerolled that, and that's where I got the gunslinger, and I chose that. And then shortly after there, Sarah let me know that Jason also rolled a gunslinger and said that he wasn't playing that because it was really underwhelming at low levels after I selected it. So I felt really confident about my choice at that point. Well, <laughs> well, speaking of, let's just for context, I'm pretty sure I remember this, and I don't. I, this might be a lie, but Sarah, didn't you at one point say you would never, under any circumstances in your life, allow a PC to play a gunslinger in one of your campaigns? Like you said, no. Not happening. I probably did. I yeah. probably did, and I put Gunslinger on this chart, not realizing that not one, but two people would roll to get Gunslinger in their options, and I'm thinking... No, 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 no. It's, not, it's not even that. It's not even that. I rolled Gunslinger in my first set. Brandon rolled Gunslinger in his first set. My backup set also has Gunslinger <laughs> as one of the options. It's ridiculous. I, I, it's absolutely ridiculous, and I think I only had, like, Maybe two numbers for that option. No, I don't I think remember. It was one to five. To be oh, fair, was it that much? It was five percent chance. Yeah. 
I have a suspicion that the gunslinger. I mean, you're not you're not multi-classing past level five, so you're not really going to get into the, some of the stupidly broken uh, janky builds that you can make with it. You're going to have standard progression. The against touch AC is going to be nice, but it's no different than an alchemist bombs. You know, the damage is going to be a little higher, but I mean, really, the AOE damage on an alchemist is better. These lower levels, it's not going to sh- shoot up ahead. It's still going to have one of the chief. The, uh, qualities of the class is that really swingy style of luck where you're either really good or really bad but it's not going to be broken which is good so I think of all the times you could take a chance and allow the class to exist in your campaign this was the best scenario yeah so Sarah let me do that or she told me if I could roll 101 on a 100 sided die she'd let me do a chain summoner because I've always asked about doing that no that's another one and I to this day <laughs> never mm-mm, never chain summoner so gunslinger yeah I caved on that, but chain summoner, not a chance. Unchained, why is it, sure. Why can't I play two characters? Yeah, I, I think that's completely yeah. reasonable. Just play the unchained summoner. I totally <laughs> know what the exactly. difference is between a chained and an unchained character. I, I definitely know what that means. <laughs> unchained, basically, they looked at original classes and made a lot of changes to them and basically made these unchained versions, which are now recognized in society play as like the regular version of the classes and most of them were making them you know a little bit more viable so the the rogue for one you know example is much better as unchained than chained summoner they had to nerf because the chain summoner is way too powerful so they had to nerf it quite a bit and that's why I, Brandon always jokes that he wants to play a chain summoner just because I won't let him play a chain summoner. There, there weird... It was back from Jason's game when we yeah. were talking about making characters at the beginning. So I was like looking through, saw the summoner, I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I started like spending a few hours researching it because I was still new to Pathfinder. So it's like trying to read all the rules. And I spent hours like trying to figure out how I'd plan this character. And I talked to Jason, but he's like, oh, you got to do Unchained though. I was like, wait, what is, what are you talking about? And I looked, I'm like, this is stupid. This is boring. I don't want to do this one now. So then I switched to something else. So now I always want to try to do a Chain Summoner and then it will never happen now after listening to the uh, GCP podcast that you have with the uh, the Summoner in that one. Or oh, yeah. no, it's, it's, do they have a Summoner in their on, one of their ongoing things? In their Rise of the Rune Lords one they're oh, going yeah. through. Mm-hmm. Rise of the Rune Lords has a, has a, I think he's a Chain Summoner. <laughs> I to be fair, he's insane. The- the chained and unchained classes are interesting because some, like you said, are a straight buff, some are a straight nerf, and some are weird. Some kind of you'd be better off depending on what you wanted to do with the character. Well, yeah, so the rogue and the unchained rogue. So the unchained rogue was flatly better. better. Never, there is nothing way. about the unchained rogue that I know of that is worse than the original rogue, unless there's a specific archetype you want that maybe doesn't fit, but I think most of them do. Uh, Summoner was a straight nerf. Yeah. I don't think they got anything better. I um, <laughs> The Unchained Barbarian is arguably a lateral movement. Or horizontal. Not lateral. Horizontal. Lateral? Is Lateral's lateral? right. Yeah, lateral's, lateral's right. right. Okay. Yeah. Um, in that it doesn't, it's not more or less powerful necessarily. They just changed how the class worked so that you weren't immediately prone to death at all times. I will say one of the biggest things is it made it easier for inexperienced players to pick up a barbarian. I would probably say because barbarians are not difficult to play, but like you said, they they can get themselves in trouble really easily, yeah. um, and they made them a bit more survivable. Yeah. The way the original version of rage went is that when you went unconscious you'd drop out of rage and your extra hit points that you gained would disappear 
So let's mm. say you're at one hit point, you get hit for like 12 damage, you're now at negative 11, your con's 12. Ooh. And let's say you're fourth level, you just lost eight more hit points because you lost your rage. Oh, and shoot. now you're dead. Uh, so they changed that so that rage gives temporary hit points. And so all of Iron Fang, Nayari was getting temporary hit points. Which, which go it away should first. have been at the beginning. I'm surprised that's not how the rule was, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then as for the monk, uh, I think generally speaking, the monk is. Mm, it's also probably lateral, but I'd say probably the Unchained Monk is better. It is slightly better. Uh, they, they don't have as good saves, but they have a better hit die. Their to hit is better with how Flurry got changed. Stuff like and that. it might be boring to talk rules, but I find this stuff really fascinating. To explain why the Barbarian is a little bit of a lateral movement, not just the temp HP, like the whole class gets slightly reworked. More things are changed and shifted around. The core class feature about Rage is it became a, a uh, I can't remember, a typed bonus to your attack and damage. Yeah, it's, just a, it's just a flat bonus. It's not right. a bonus to your Whereas historically it used to be a bonus to your strength and con. So there are some builds that like high strength builds that could technically still benefit from getting that strength value as high as possible because that means it works on skill checks and other things like that. Whereas your rage with the unchained version only will work in combat. So like it that's why you have some of that lateral movement, even though one's technically better a little bit, you, you might still prefer one or the other depending on what you want to do with the character build. And they also changed it from a morale bonus to being just a untyped. Oh, which untyped. Which allows is you to because originally better. you couldn't stack it with because I don't know what spells give morale bonuses to strength and con. Heroicism. Heroism <laughs> gives it to your attack, <laughs> your saves, and your what other thing? I That's a bit remember. of a joke because. Damn. In Rune Lords, Josh's bard casts <laughs> heroism a lot, and every time it's heroicism, and we heroism. have to correct him. Say yeah. heroicism is not a spell, but heroism is a spell. Yeah. Anyway, back to you, Brandon. Sorry for the <laughs> the uh, what, what a going off the yeah. rails there. So uh, you have a good yeah, Crimmit, Crimmit there, Crimmit, the Red Eye Marsh Croaker. He um. <laughs> So, I mean, just kind of go through... Well, and so, funny thing, you know, if we're going to talk about size of your character, so I looked at it, I didn't realize, even though Gripply were small, that they're that small, because they are a base one foot nine inches. So, I was looking at the random height and weight, so I rolled for additional modifiers to see how tall I could really get him. Or, sorry, I'm sorry, the base height is one foot uh, seven inches, and I rolled two ones, so my guy's one foot nine inches. <laughs> then I looked at his base weight, which was 25 pounds and then you also roll 2d4 and add more pounds on top of that i rolled two three so i got sixes so i was like he's gonna be a little chunker so i had to scale that back because i want a little fat frog so, he's got a pot belly oh yeah yeah i was like no Bull I know frog. My, my eight-year-old is definitely two feet and he only is 40 pounds so i was like man a little tubby frog here so That's awesome. <laughs> he's a bullfrog um, yeah but uh you know kind of in a nutshell uh Krimit was born uh, and lives near uh, the Mana Waste, and there's Krimit again. Yeah, so he he does. What's that? I was letting the stream. You showing your know picture. Oh yeah, Krimit looks like. What race is he again? We have a question in the chat from T uh, for Goblins. So, 
Yep, Gripply uh, race, and then um, so basically, you know, his, his kind of story in a nutshell is you know, his family has always been kind of the engineers of their kind of village. Um, you know, tr- fixing you know the the village in and of itself. Uh, they gather supplies and help uh, fix tools and everything for them, and that's kind of their place where you were born and you just kind of fell into the role of your your parents. Well, he of course wants more, but he liked it um, you know, when they traveled because. He got to listen to bards talk about their tales, and there was a favorite hero of his called Deadeye Hickok, and he was a deadly gunslinger that brought a lot of lands, so he always wanted to be a gunslinger. And then, uh, coincidentally, he found some schematics in his family's home of a new kind of variant of a weapon, and uh, basically went out and made it, and doesn't want to go back home until he ends up becoming a very renowned gunslinger of his own, so... He's like going out to the new land to see if what he can do. I can tell you it's probably not going to end well for him, but we'll see. <laughs> I think it's funny oh, because... Man, I, that's... Oh, I was going to say, it, it's funny because Brandon came to me and he said uh, it's basically the premise of this module is these characters are coming to this new settlement in Sargava called Pryden's Hearth. And he said, oh, maybe my character can go become the sheriff of this new settlement. And I giggled and said, well, they kind of already have a sheriff and she's kind of an important NPC, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> well, I just asked if I could be the deputy then at that point, so we'll, we'll uh, see. It's going to happen. But uh, no, I, I think it'll be, it'll be fun, you know, for level one um, to start with him. You know, I, I'm planning on trying to play him almost kind of bad in the beginning, and I'm hoping that over time, as he actually levels, he'll become better and better, you know, when it comes to, to combat and things. So I, I'm probably going to purposely play him bad in the beginning. Um, Morally bankrupt or bad tactically? Tactically. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. He's um, a naughty frog. Yeah, he's uh, he's totally lovely. Just kidding. I um, mean, he does come from Nex, so... Yeah, I mean, you never know with them from Nex and all. Mm-hmm. So, um, I gotta say, that was my first time hearing about your character's backstory. I love that. It's so amazing. I, it, it reminds me of, like, Rono <laughs> Zoro, like, One Piece, I, striving to be the strongest swordsman. I just pictured your character, like, walking up to uh, to Miyabi and be like, Oh, hi there, friend. Check out this Glock. As soon as I knew we were doing a frog, I was like, I gotta be Krimit. Krimit. <laughs> what, kind of, what, kind of, what, kind of, what kind of gun does he use? Because I, I think Blunderbuss is probably, like, the stereotypical, like, icon that I have in my head for, like, a, a gun-wielding uh, frog person. But uh, what'd you end up going a with? shotgun? Yeah, a blunderbuss. Whoa. No, he's got he's got a pistol. That that shotgun would probably make my character fall on his butt every time. I would, yeah. Every time he shoots at him, he yeah, he actually is also archetype into gun scavenger. So you know, kind of one of the neat things with that is um, I can put special components in my gun that'll kind of give us some temporary bonuses so i can increase its range increment to be able to shoot farther using that touch um touch attack um i can give it a scatter shot bonus and i can also which i probably would never do increase it so i can pistol whip some outlaws but, uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but um Very well it, it basically you know for anybody who doesn't know with the gunslinger from my limited knowledge researching it is you know there's a misfire chance so as you go to shoot you have a chance where your gun can clog a break and you have to try to fix it um this specific archetype 
every time I successfully shoot increases the misfire chance the next time. So it will eventually just break, but then it allows me to put a new component on every time it does that. So it's basically geared to break on purpose at some point. Oh, really? And do you get any like benefit when it breaks or is it just bad? No, because well, so when it breaks, it's similar to the other, you know, the other gunslinger where I can spend uh, an action to fix it, um, but it allows me to put a different component on. So depending uh, on what I need, because normally I would have to spend one of my grip points right, right. to change the component, but this allows oh. me just to change it after it breaks. So, um, you know, there's could be situations where I actually want it to break. Um, That'll be like, so fun to do in game because we haven't had anybody. I haven't played in a game where somebody has like grit, or we we had one where we had panache points but it's very fun i think uh class features where you have like a basically think hero points for our game that we played but you have a guaranteed allotment of them per day that you can gain and lose by doing different things that are like predefined um and then you can spend them to do cool stuff and the gunslinger is one of those that takes advantage of that style of uh, class feature and it's very 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 cool yeah i'm excited for it. i mean i didn't i haven't played a gunslinger yet and i had to research it a lot like how to craft and make your own special ammo and then there's different types of ammo and cartridges so it's a little out there but you know i, I just made uh, a backup character for sarah's game rune lords that was a swashbuckler higher level one but i spent a lot of time researching that so the panache and grit are, are similar in nature so i had a really good yeah. understanding at that piece it was mostly just how to how the weapon actually works and that's one of the things with the gunslinger at low levels is it's a very expensive class uh, because you can actually get it down to like a free action to reload with alchemical cartridges but i think each alchemical cartridge is like six gold yeah so yeah, the, that's expensive the gunslinger has um they get a feat automatically at first level where they can craft um their ammunition cheaper it's like for 10 percent of the cost so i think it's one gold one silver like per bullet so it, it can add up cartridges you could do for cheaper price but um it's definitely costly more than you know your typical archer and arrows and, and right you can't recover bullets in this i don't there might be a feed or something later but once you shoot but it it's gone so. that's the biggest thing uh, arrows not only do you have the chance of recovering them which you don't have at all with a bullet obviously um gunslingers are very rare in the pathfinder world like they're not just pc classes there's other gunslingers that exist but they're not nearly as prevalent as archers or things like that so even if you're looting and scavenging and finding um improvements you're not going to find written into the ap so much uh, support for the gunslinger you know you're going to have to go out of your way and a lot of that comes out of your cash and uh, your wealth by level um or whatever you're able to find in the adventure and like jason saying it can get very expensive very quickly just a few comp just a few encounters that had a, a big tax um it'd be like a regular character using two or three or four consumables every single fight um, which adds up a lot. So taking donations, gentlemen. <laughs> well, speaking of donations, I just want to say Miyabe is very suggestible and he <laughs> always helps people in need. So if you so much as asked him, he'd probably give you his money. I can just pretend you stepped on me. You can see me because I only come up probably to your shin. I love how you constantly play characters, Jason, who have no uh, material attachments whatsoever. You can't <laughs> like, separate that part of him from the game. Yeah, no, it always leads <laughs> through. Like Ren, Ren uh, not Ren, uh, Shen. 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 Wow. 
was literally a Buddhist monk. He just didn't yeah, well, I, I was I was this tempted to go with a vow of poverty for him, but that was a bit too much. That would be a bit too much. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, now that you cool. mentioned it, I, I am noticing a trend. That's yeah, an interesting question. Is there any part of your own personalities that you find is incredibly hard to not carry over into your uh, roleplay characters? Clearly, or vice versa? Do you to... find it any particular character traits or, or character types that you find it's really hard to play as? I think, obviously, it's hard to remove my like heroic nature from my characters, but... <laughs> That's kind of the point. So. Yeah, Vindel was a super <laughs> heroic character, wasn't he? <laughs> he beating up old ladies. <laughs> Hiding around the corner using the uh, cure like wounds wand all to himself. I didn't almost do yeah. that with Veld. <laughs> I'm going to let other people take this question while I, I, I dip out for a bit. I got food to eat, but uh, yeah, I'll, you can come around to me eventually. Great question, Andrew. Great question. I think for me, I can't separate my love of animals from my characters. <laughs> Unless it's turtles. It just... Yeah, no, turtle. <laughs> never came up, though. Uh, but also, I consider myself in real life to be lawful good, and I do struggle with playing characters that are more chaotic and act more about themselves and make decisions that are about themselves, because I, I have a hard time doing that in real life. So that's something that I try to explore a little bit more, is um, making decisions that would go against what I would probably do if I were in the game personally. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Justin? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I try to avoid tropes that I have in real life. I think, <laughs> um, like Oren that we've played with, I not like me at all. Um, <laughs> it, Except for maybe it, being occasionally grumpy. <laughs> Except for occasionally being <laughs> grumpy. So I'm sure like pieces of it are. Um, for my, my character for Ire of the Storm, uh, it'll actually be the first time that I'm role-playing a semi-Southern-like character. Um, so that'll be kind of similar to me. I mean, while I don't have a natural Southern accent, I mean, I did grow up in the South. And so, you know, I'm going to be pulling in some of those tropes. Ooh, I'm excited to hear that. Was, yeah. uh, I did just see the picture you put in for your character. Yep, yep. So that's that's what I'm planning on doing. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I can I could jump into that a little bit. You know. Yeah, what character. did you roll for your uh, options? Yeah. So my options. I actually got some really exciting ones. Um, I got uh, elf, not as exciting. Uh, Tengu. Mm-hmm. And fetchling. Which, um, after some serious debate between the Tengu and the Fetchling, I decided to go with the Fetchling. Um, and then for my class options, I know I had rolled Cleric, and I re-rolled that since, you know, I just played a Cleric in our, our uh, Nermathus campaign, our Iron Fang Invasion campaign. Um, but I got Wizard. Oh, what did I get for class? Oh, I had just looked it up. I got Wizard... Um... Also, I should say that, Justin, you did originally roll a dwarf, and you had cleric, and you were like, Orin, 2.0! 2.0! Yeah, I did. I did. I got... I did get a dwarf cleric on my first roll, and I was like, cool, my sheet's already done, I'm just going with Orin. Um, I mean, I don't know why you have to go Orin, you could have just played Kining. <laughs> right? Oh, that's true, I could have... Oh, that would have been... Oh, oh my, my gosh, God. yeah! 
Yeah. Oh, that would have been fun. That would have um, been really fun. Except to be in a different place that. of the world. So, like, would, is Kining, like, this reincarnated being that just comes in with different bodies into different, like, her soul just is... <laughs> why do you have to, why you gotta poke holes? Why you gotta poke holes? <laughs> you don't why know what she did before she You don't know what she did before she got to Narmathus. Yeah, like, exactly. Maybe she exactly. was in the jungle. She had a rough life, all right? Fair maybe. Fair she's enough. actually an eighth-level character. <laughs> she's right. just like, and we just if it don't needs, that. we can kill <laughs> And maybe she's so evil, she doesn't tell us how strong she is, so she doesn't have to do anything. So. Right. So, yes. Okay, Justin, I found it. You rolled Blood Rager and Swashbuckler, along with... Um, so you did Blood Rager, Swashbuckler, and I think Cleric originally, and when you re-rolled Cleric, that's when you got I Wizard. I got Wizard. Yeah. Yep. So then I got Wizard. Um, so I was really between... Um, swashbuckler or uh, or wizard um, and then when I got into it I was like well, if I do fetchling it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they would be a swashbuckler because in my mind a swashbuckler equates to like a pirate you know and so I was like I don't know how many fetchling pirates there are that seems unlikely um, and so reading with the fetchlings I was like okay so wizards kind of common for them sorcerers more common but certainly wizards aren't uncommon among them um the tengu i thought about but like i thought it would be hard to to role play because like i instinctively would want to put chirps and like ticks into my speech (laughs) since they're technically bird people and so i was like i would just i would want to do that and i feel like that would be really difficult to pull off like to be speaking and then and like making sounds in bird culture this is considered a jerk also also i'm really glad i didn't because could you imagine the awkward dynamic between a bird person and a frog person in a group together because like the tenku kind of look like like crane like they're they're (laughs) bird like yeah and i think if if we had like a a cat folk or a rat folk too (laughs) what if you all were like right. animal people and you just show up at this new settlement and they're like whoa a kitsune uh, fox person a cat folk, a rat folk a tengu and a gripply there you go yeah. sounds like Players the beginning now. of a bar joke yeah. <laughs> I'll walk into a city you know um, speaking of the animal voices though after I re- realized I was going to play the Ripley I told Sarah that I probably spent a solid hour on YouTube looking up National Geographic videos of frogs and frog sounds to practice those so, <laughs> see? Um, yeah. Was... yeah see so you, you had the same consideration I did that I was like if I'm playing an animal type person I'm going to want to put some of that like sound into what I'm doing and honestly I just didn't think me personally, I didn't think I'd commit to that. And well, I was I, like... I try to think of it for me where, like... And we'll see how it actually comes out, but I guess in my mind, my character will croak and make sounds when he gets, like, nervous. So oh, it's kind okay. of be like his twitch. So he's not going to do it all the time, but I think as a party, you'll understand him when he's making the sounds, how he feels. Right. right. See how that acts out with other NPCs, especially if you're to bluff... You know, because my charisma is trash, and I start croaking. You guys are going to know that I'm bluffing without having to roll, but will the NPCs, you know? Right. (laughs) Or anytime anytime we send you out to scout, if we just hear croaking, we'll be like, oh, something's wrong. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need a signal whistle. You just listen for the croaks. Yeah. 
Yep. I think it's so, an interesting point you brought up, though, uh, Justin, about like you, you weren't sure you felt it would be difficult to play that particular race because of a conception that you had about it. Or sometimes yeah. I feel that way about like, you know, Tengu is a good example. They have a unique culture in, in Pathfinder and Galarian lore that like I'm not sure I could be the vessel to play that. Right. But I had an elf and I actually forgot he was an elf because it, it, it was such a small part of his character when it really should have been a central focus right. of the interaction in the world. I think uh, we yeah. all forgot that he was an elf. Me too. Yeah. I thought he yeah, was a no. half elf until like fifth level. Yeah. And then I found <laughs> out that he wasn't. And I was like, wait a minute. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so what I decided to do was wizard. uh, And since Brandon so graciously said he wouldn't mind if I also was kind of a gunslinger type, I decided to pick Spellslinger for my guy. And what I kind of have in mind is a wizard cowboy, um, is kind (laughs) of what I have in mind. There he is in all his glory on the stream. Does Does he have a horse? See, I haven't decided yet. I kind of really want him to have a horse, but I haven't decided if he will have one or not. Spellbook on his name. I have not yet. So his name's gonna be Abner Calhoun, (laughs) and yes, he is going to he is going to speak like that through the entire thing because that's my southern accent, and so that's what I'm gonna use. Um, See, he's gonna be a spell slinger, so he's gonna be a wizard with a gun. Um, nothing more horrifying than a man that can sling magic and shoot you. Um, or a frog that can shoot you. Or a frog that can shoot yeah. you. <laughs> so, basically, I went from saying I would never allow a gunslinger to now having essentially two, two yeah. gunslingers in my group. So, I'm already like... regretting my life choice. Yeah, one, one and a half. I'm not I'm not fully a gunslinger. You know, so, I'm I'm not either. Either. so we, we got one between the two. One. One. Yeah. You allowed one between the two of us. Yeah, I wonder if there's a uh, shaman archetype that allows me to have like a holy gun or something. <laughs> <laughs> we all should have gotten guns. Jason, if you changed your shaman and went with paladin, there is an there, archetype that you could do that with there, paladin. There is. There's a paladin in Narcissus. Sarah's here, like, I don't want to play I, uh, One day I will, because I'm going to build a character based off of um, somebody from Trigun. Uh, uh-huh. mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Wolfwood? Yes. Wolfwood yeah. is the one with the giant cross. Yes. And he has a cross that he carries. And it, the name of the gun is Mercy. And one of these days, I will play a paladin who wields Mercy. <laughs> well i was thinking the only thing worse than having like a party of gunslingers would be having a party of characters with the animal companions <laughs> i can't imagine and i was so afraid that with rolling that that might happen and i was thinking i'm gonna have to modify this adventure no, the- there's like <laughs> six to eight you know different entities that are fighting these combats are going to take an entire session to get through it's just right. called the zookeepers module <laughs> right. all of the this animals. is the <laughs> give sarah gray hair module i would love i would love to play a homebrew campaign where all four pcs are just like zookeeper type like safari expeditioners <laughs> with their own animal companions and they're just like exploring the safari 
I would love that. <laughs> I, There's a couple I of classes that, that you can get it to work. I, I I think I even saw on some uh, Pathfinder forums where they made like Pokemon, like Pocket Monster classes as a theme using like the summoner, like a couple of other ones that you could have. You could definitely do that Safari theme and have like the animal be the main class, like in the person, just the backdrop. Um, you can kind of switch the roles around a little bit. Uh, like, so take Theros's character, for example, you can make Volus more the one you're like more the, the front loaded portion of a class. There are ways to do that. Uh, for sure. Man, after hearing everyone's characters and like the... Oh, do we have a backstory for Abner? Yeah, so I'm kind of working on that a little bit. Um, so I am going to have him come from Shadow Absalom. Ooh. As his classic. original city. Yeah, classic for, okay. for a fetchling. Um, yeah. I think the way that I'm going to play him is that he's actually more of a merchant than anything, that he wants to get rich. Uh, so he is going to be lawful neutral. Hmm. In his in his um, alignment, which I think will be will be good, you know, reading reading about that shadow Absalom, that's a really cool story. I want to see if there's more information on that because like they're ruled over by an umbral dragon, that like yep. she's not necessarily evil in that she just like she's like trade's the most important thing. Like as long as you don't disrupt trade, it's fine. But like if yeah. you disrupt trade, you 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 die. <laughs> the shadow plane is a very interesting place in that it's a distor- it's a distorted version of the material plane and right. travel is so distorted. Like you can there's spells even that you can cast them and it's basically teleportation like you're going into the shadow plane, walking yeah. a couple feet and then coming out miles away on the material plane. Right. And so I figured that's that's one way that it wouldn't be difficult for like to explain why he's down in that area is trying to establish a new trade route kind of thing um, <laughs> with that new that new town. Um, kind of like cornering a market, you know, being like, hey, there's cool stuff that they might have at this new colony or the new colony might be willing to buy stuff from him. Um, so he's looking to try and like scout that out, find a new find a new trade route for Shadow Absalom so that he can I love that. It's so good. <laughs> does he, I gotta flesh that out. Does he happen to in not saying that this should change your character, but does he worship anyone like Abadar? Like Abadar's huge on trade and Yeah, so that's actually I already have that in his character sheet. Abadar nice. is what I chose for him as as his <laughs> god because I was like, okay, lawful, as long as he's lawful. Um and you know if he's really interested in merchant in, in mercantilism and money and trying to become a trader then that just seems like a natural progression for him so it's 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 interesting yeah i love you decided to go lawful neutral as well for the merchant you know because at the end of the day it's, it's the dollar that's important to him right but I- I love the lawful aspect because I, I played a venture capitalist actually in a Starfinder campaign. Uh, one of the, he was part of the Starfinders, and he had gone out looking to do exactly what you're doing: establish new trade routes, set up connections, and build like a multi-corporation empire. Um, I think it's so fun to play with that lawful neutral thing, where like you're going to follow the rules, but you're not particularly guided by moral considerations. You know, right? So you'll strike a deal and you'll honor the deal, but what you agreed to do may or may not be good. And I, I like right. having freedom with your characters. It well, made a really good dynamic. That was really cool. Like a little piece of the lore, the background, like Abadar technically honored a deal with the guy that like yeah. the God of the shadow plane, you know, he, 
Like, he was like, I don't really want to do this, but I made a deal, so I have to honor it, and, like, honored it and allowed the... I don't remember the guy's name. Zon... Zon Kuthan. Zon Kuthan. allowed him to ascend because technically he made a deal with with him, and so he honored it. And I was like, that's pretty cool. He's one of the creepiest guys. Oh, yeah, he's weird. Oh, my God. That that agreement, uh, he got out of that on a loophole, just saying. Because the agreement was that he would be imprisoned until the sun stopped or whatever. And then when the Age of Darkness came, (laughs) Zonkathon's like, hey, hey. Technically, he's not wrong. (laughs) Technically, he's not wrong. The sun wasn't shining. (laughs) I love Zonkathon. I think he is fascinating. He has got such great lore, and his relationship with Shaylin is fascinating. And just a quick plug. For anybody that's listening, uh, check out Tower of Tomes on YouTube. They put out some fantastic lore videos, and they have one on Nidal. Mm-hmm. And Zon Kuthan worship is huge uh, in Nidal, and that video I'm is so well done. getting chills about it right now. It is yeah. actually so good. They've got some uh, fun voice acting, great delivery of mm-hmm. uh, really concrete, accurate lore information. Uh, great inspiration if you're looking to build a character in the uh, Pathfinder universe and are looking to pull on uh, some of the uh, existing lore in the world. Uh, great, great resource. Absolutely. And they have and they have videos on Nirmathos and Molthun as well. So for they Iron do. Thing Invasion, yeah. um, Jason actually let us watch both of those. They didn't have any spoilers um, except the one at the very end, but that was just for the beginning of the campaign. So that's yeah. Well and done, That's but actually, yeah. where I got Elwood's Malthoon voice came from the Imperial uh, Army. Uh, the the voice that he does in that video. That's oh, where that's neat. Yeah. I can see it now that you say yeah. that. I didn't put that together at first, but I can yeah. see that now. I, I can't go back into it, but oh, Elwood did have two two accents. The last wall, which was kind of like like a this deeper, like mm. kind of off a bit, but you could tell he was masking a Malthuni voice, uh, which was uh, that I was really proud of that. It took a lot of work, um, but it's because of that Tower Tones video that I had some reference to base it off of. All that work, yeah. and then he <laughs> is lost after five sessions. Oh, it was uh, worth it for the story, though. It was a good story. Yeah, no idea how much Josh went back and forth on. At one point, the build was going to be like a triple archetyped, triple class, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nation oh. of a character. <laughs> so Elwood, oh. Elwood, I had this amazing theory for, and I, I just could not get the mechanics to work until finally <laughs> we found out of the villain codex, Jason, if I'm not mistaken. I um, remember a really obscure archetype, like it fit perfectly because I, I wanted him to be like an inspirational leader, but he wasn't a bard, you know. And mechanically speaking, fighters are kind of not inept, but they're not great at being charismatic with their main skills and anything that you devote to that you're kind of hindering your effectiveness in combat which I'm all for I love you know taking an intentional hit for the sake of flavor but I didn't want to be worthless uh, and I, I did find some really cool prestige classes that I could move into and some really cool multi-classes the Cavalier seemed like a really cool option but he took the most time out of session of any character I've ever built ever um, to get to work and fit the concept really, really well uh, in both mechanics and story and back and forth with Jason setting all of that up. 
Um, so that that and is why tears were shed when he died in the third. And because I knew going in, and I knew going in that <laughs> he had a very. I, I I even told Jace. I think it's about between 50 and 70 percent chance that he just dies because he wouldn't he because of what i knew a choice i knew he would make so and i believe you're right i think it was in the villain codex that that one, yeah that was beautiful archetype uh veteran seasoned veteran or veteran seasoned general? commander seasoned commander absolutely amazing archetype if you're looking to build a character or just love Reading weird Pathfinder stuff, check that one out. That archetype's really cool, and it can let you play the inspirational leader who also is very competent on the front lines. So we have our party for Ire of the Storm. One thing I wanted to mention that I don't forget, and this will come up again, is I am excited because we're going to start using Sirenscape for our, our sound. Um, so that's going to be a bit of a challenge for me at first because I'm the one that will be handling that. Um, so GMing and trying to get the sounds um, might be a bit of a work in progress, but that's also why we have this module so that we can play around with things. And then when we get back to Iron Fang, hopefully I will be a master of the Sirenscape and able to flawlessly change sound sets and immerse you into the world. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we will be uh, switching some roles uh, on the show too, actually, from behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I'll be the one, if I'm not mistaken, who will be actually the, the streaming and running uh, that portion of the software. Uh, Jason, I assume, I, I haven't asked him yet, but I'm assuming he'll take care of, like, we sometimes we have rules that we need answered between rounds and turns and I'm pretty sure I'll pass that over to him. I'll be uh, looking up rules and also tracking XP after encounters because yep. we're going to try doing XP. Oh, yeah, we're going to try Oh, XP. that's right. I forgot yeah, to right. mention that with this yeah. module. Um, yeah. Something that I've never done before. I don't think any of us have done. Um, and if, well, um, formally in our groups that we've done, we've never actually used yeah. XP for leveling. We've always gone by the milestone leveling in the books, which works and it's great. And it takes the... Um, the math out of doing it but also you know why not why not try it in this module and jason and i have been listening to a podcast where they do it and they make it seem pretty easy so jason's going to be keeping track of the xp and then letting everybody know that happy moment when you guys get to level up it is very fun. Uh, I have done it once, so I, I'm not going to speak too much because I don't want to spoil the experience. But it is, uh, it's a lot of fun to kind of watch that. Ooh, we're at 900 XP out of 1,000, you know? And you know, next encounter, you're going to get that level up. And it's uh, it's really exciting because you, know, you can kind of roll that momentum uh, into your next encounter. You tend to have a level or two prepped ahead of time, whereas with milestone leveling, I, I don't tend to bother too much unless it's a specific build that I'm trying to make sure goes a particular path. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying that out as well. So yep. one thing, I, and we can go on to a different topic if you want, but you guys talking about your backstories, I feel like my summary wasn't sufficient <laughs> to make Miyabe as cool as he is. Oh yeah, take it away, man. So I was just going to go some more details. So my idea was that the Bandu tribe in Southern Grund is known as a tribe of demon worshippers and slavers. So the whole idea was that Miyabe was conceived out of this dark ritual that the Bandu did. And his mother had no idea who his father was because of obvious, uh, the types of things that happened in the ritual. No idea who the father was. Same with 
any siblings that he had. And his birth name was Okoth. And I just made up this meaning as like meaning black death because his skin was charcoal black. And so the idea was that shortly after uh, his mother, Ijabara, uh, gave birth, she went on a raid against one of the other tribes, the Basso tribe. They were trying to get slaves and whatnot for their own purposes or to sell or whatnot. And because of her condition, she had gone on the raid so quickly after giving birth. She wasn't as fit as her kin when the raid failed because the Basso are known as being athletic and very uh, powerful in their own right. So she was actually captured instead. And she sold her own son as a way to get out of slavery. So uh, Okoth was actually sold to the Basso tribe in order for her to go free. And he was renamed uh, Miyabe, meaning protector, because the chief of the Basso was like, the Bandu are known as being like huge, intimidating, powerful warriors. I'll raise this guy as being like a warrior of this tribe to protect us instead. So he was, he grew up in that tribe uh, with distinctive fe- features of the Bandu tribe, and everybody there knew it. And he was basically constantly reminded of his like demonic bloodline and all that, which is why he was constantly being pushed to help people. He had it drilled into him that the more he helped people, the uh, less likely the demons were to like take over his blood and whatnot. Uh, And my idea was that the only three people in his tribe that he really had positive relationships were was the Treef, the the Treef, the Chief, who I named (laughs) Baholo, uh, the Tribal Shaman, who I named Palesa, and if Josh wanted a different name, just change that in my backstory, or he could be like the Apprentice of Palesa, I don't know, he hasn't finished that idea for his character yet, but currently I have the Tribal Shaman as being Palesa, and then the Head Warrior, Sui, and uh, he was actually trained by Sui. And so my whole idea is that, you know, he grew up being a protector of that tribe and constantly being drilled into him to help people. And that's why I wanted to go with the bludgeoner, is that he was told not to kill unless it was absolutely necessary. So against any sentient opponent, he's probably going to try to knock them out rather than kill them. Um, I just really liked the uh, whole... I actually read the Sargava... Um, booklet a little bit about the different tribes and I liked the interplay between some of those tribes like the Bandu being slavers and uh, the Vaso and all the other ones there so I kind of tried to craft him in. I didn't read too much else about the geography because I figured he wouldn't know it but uh, I liked that idea and part of the part of his intro to the campaign will hinge on on Josh because I thought he'd kind of be like the uh, bodyguard for his tribal shaman uh, but we'll see how that goes. I'm excited. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And the plan right now is to hit the ground running next Tuesday, the 23rd, I think is the day. And we will hopefully play through this module. Um, in one session. I, no. <laughs> no. In the six in one session. No. No, that's not going to happen. But. Um, it will take over our Iron Fang invasion time slot for the next several weeks or however long it takes us to get through. And I am excited to see how the story goes with everyone and role playing their characters in this new setting and see if I can somehow 
role play the NPCs fairly. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> exciting sure. as an outside observer like that. I'm excited to hear your guys' adventures. Yeah, and I should point out for those who have been listening to Iron Fang Invasion, I do not anticipate this module being quite as dark as Iron Fang Invasion is. <laughs> not a bad thing. Iron Iron Fang Invasion has been great, and the story is so immersive, and I've really, really enjoyed it. But this, um, I mean, not to say there's not dark elements in this, because I think the nature of a lot of these stories is, you know, overcoming evil and being heroes, and that lends itself to some dark things. But I think this is going to be a little bit, you know, easier to swallow than maybe some of the stuff that we dealt with. Um, like not the I have anything to say about it. Tent made out of flayed skin. <laughs> I don't know. Paizo's got this thing for the macabre. They really love <laughs> cannibalism and Torture. human remains as decoration. That's <laughs> yes. like two things that show up in every AP I've ever played. Um, it's not even mentioned in passing. It's like, yeah, this is here. You have to interact with this as a player character. Have fun. No, it's been lighthearted up until now. But <laughs> we just had that with the Rune Lords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, and Rise of the Rune Lords. There's couches, some dark stuff. Chairs. Yeah, yeah. Even Rise of the Rune Lords, which does not start out that dark. I mean, it's got sad moments, but it's not like scary or kind dark. of. I'm sure there's some lore stuff that we missed that probably would make it more dark than it was. But I mean, there were some. I like the haunted house, but the haunted house felt like uh, like a haunted Spoilers house. Spoilers for Rise of the Rune Lords. Just uh, yeah. putting that there. If you haven't okay. played it, if you're currently playing it, it's been out over a decade. I know, but if somebody's going through book one right, right now as a player, I don't want them to be like, right. "Oh, that's what happens in books two oh, and three? Yeah, it's okay. totally nothing happens. The darkest part of Rune Lords was um, Vindel, anyway. So, <laughs> so I do love our, I do love our current composition of characters though. I like the way um that they all interact with uh the events of the story, just to segue <laughs> to Rulers for a bit. That's been pretty fun and I'm I'm excited. We have a, a, a game scheduled for this Friday. So when you for that when you say current characters, are you including Nick's now dead character? Uh no, he's dead. So, <laughs> so just three of us that Gosh. are still alive. Didn't yeah. That was, no, he, that was, he likes the party better without Nick, apparently. And it will have no, to- I love... Uh, actually, actually, this is the truth be told. I loved Nick's last character that he had brought to the table. I thought he was very interesting. So I was very sad to see see him leave. Because... Uh, 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 about Ox or Reginald, I'm still confused on which character... Reginald. Okay. He's well, through, life, so just for context... In Rise of the Rune Lords, the only player who has lost a character is Nick, and he's lost two of them now. Three of them? Two? Three. Well, three, now two. three. Now, now three. three. Now three. Te- technically four, if you consider the animal companion as part of the other character, then that would be yeah. four. Yeah. I don't have anything against this guy. I no, don't. it just gets it, the bad just, luck. It's roll of the dice, and it's yeah, it's just unfortunate. But and he's always in the front, so. Yeah. I think you will enjoy his upcoming character. Guys yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. Oh, I haven't had any. So insight. it ties in with Vicky in a bit, so I know some stuff. Oh, yeah. very cool. So I don't know, Andrew, if you wanted to. Um, I thought I saw you getting ready. If you wanted to, um, go ahead and do your your songs now, and we can wrap this up. Sure, I can do that. 
Um, I don't have <laughs> guitar parts for all of these songs. Um, so you'll just have to p- picture Ulrit just out somewhere doing his thing. And uh, I got to fix something visually on the stream. Well, he says set up. Uh, thank you, everyone who joined us for the live stream today. If you're checking out or listening to us on Spotify, thanks for that. And welcome, Brandon, to the group. I am very, very excited to get back to Iron Fang, but I'm also super excited for Iron of the Storm. So I think we got a lot of good coming. Yep, so Tuesday nights, 6.30 Eastern on Twitch and YouTube, we will be streaming um, using Sirenscape for our audio, um, picking up using Roll20 for our maps and tokens, and hope to see you there and join us in this new module adventure. On the up and up. Oh, yeah. Well, on that note... um... Ulrit will uh, sing his farewells to you all for now uh, and uh, I'll, I'll play any of the songs that I'll play a couple of the songs that have been written over the campaign as my goodbye to all you f- faithful listeners, all two of you <laughs> <laughs> We're getting more, I recruited somebody today Me being one of them <laughs> and, uh, I recruited a good friend of mine and you uh, guys. Hopefully he'll, he'll catch up and if so, shout out to you Justin <laughs> but uh, one, of, one of the songs I wrote was during our adventures at Camp Red Jaw, I think is what it was called. I don't remember. I wasn't there very yes. long. <laughs> but uh, we endured much adversity, but we overcame. So allow me to sing you a song. Gather round, survivors, and uh, hear a Aiden, Nayari, Orin, and myself. Where evil once stood, our heroes prevailed. The darkness withdrawn from our warrior's stage. They came rushing in, justice in hand. They sent the hobgoblins to the blood-soaken graves. Aiden, the strong knight... Oops, nope, nope, I missed... That's some, uh... That's some dyslexia there. Aiden the brave, Nyari the strong, Orin the stalwart, and Orit the bard. The survivors of Feindar rise up this day as the heroes of Nermathus leading the way. Something like that. <laughs> ah, amazing. Again, I wrote that like in the middle of the session so not as good as some of the others but hey wrote that in the middle of the session and then dropped it in chat right if i'm not mistaken as we were playing i feel like half the songs that he comes up with he does in the middle of the session well the the, one. the first two i yeah. did not the the first two were done outside of session um That's but true. the nyari one was in session yeah i gotta remember what the guitar chords were for these other ones <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed and uh you know spoiler alert i'm actually considering making a bard yeah my character. thank god and i, I got so used to that i am totally not doing any of that so, <laughs> um, i'll have to think of something mildly creative that he can do but no singing just, here. just take performance dance yeah. Uh, actually, I was thinking performance comedy, so actually, really bad dad jokes. That's what my character's from. You'll you'll riff really well with Frampton, actually. If yeah. You yep. There's actually a cool archetype too, where you can write things down ahead of time or draw pieces of paper and hand them off. I'm all looking for that too. That one's really fun. I think I got it. 
Yeah, I think you're there. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> the, uh, this other song was uh, was written during the one recap uh, where Ulrit and Yosef are on their way to just throughout the woods to tell more stories and uh, just find some adventures. And uh, Ulrit ha- takes a moment to um, mourn the loss of his twin brother uh, as, as it was his birthday, and he's decides to sing one of his brother's favorite songs and uh it's uh the inspiration for this just kind of came from um reading lore on uh tamron and just exploring the story story behind uh ulrit so i just kind of wrote this with some references to that and uh, anybody who knows some of the some of the lore bits about that stuff I, may, I guess may pick up on it. I don't know, but it's mostly just to to play into the bard theme. Down the north bend, past the morning star fence, where the children doth play and the hooligans dance. That's where I saw her, a lady so fine, and in that fated moment, her eyes met with mine. And I needn't know who or where she was from She was a pathfinder and I was in love But no lover's heart could ever tie down The heroine's spirit as she rode out of town Away from the ashfall she faded from sight Leaving us stories and songs of her might I'll never forget what I learned on that day A world of adventures was calling my name And uh, that song kind of just like felt like the song that would need to be written for his brothers. Ulrit was never actually one to um, want to be an explorer or adventurer. His brother was. And, uh, but when his brother had a, met an untimely death due to sickness... Uh, Ulrit felt compelled to like live that out vicariously for his brother and that song you know about going forth onto adventures was felt just like something that would leave a lasting impression on him so that's where the inspiration for that came from and then finally the magnum I love opus. the lyrics to that one though <laughs> thank you you're, 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 you'll love the next one even more because it says magnum opus the one that started it all as a result of the loss of our dear friend and inspiration, Sir Elwood, and his uh, sacrifice to save, <laughs> to save the survivors of Feindar. I gotta remember the chords to this one, too. <laughs> I haven't played this since then. <laughs> it was in a minor key, I'm pretty sure, because it's sad, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nick would have a lot of songs sung about him. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have three by now. Let's see what was that? I go back and forth on whether I think uh, Elwood's song is my favorite or the um, Ulrich Brother one because they're both pretty good. Ulrich Brother, I think Elwood. Uh, Elwood. I think I favor Elwood because of the connected story that we all shared. But uh, the Ulrit, the the one about his brother, uh, it just it just makes me smile because it's got that like because it does kind of an Irish accent and it's got that real good 
uh, tune to it, you know? And uh, I just, uh, it's so good. Well, and plus the Elwood one was just out of nowhere. Andrew's like, hey, I've got something special planned. We're like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden he comes on with the recap and that song and we're like, what? (laughs) What is this? It was awesome. It was. I'm not sure if I can if this is right, but I'm just gonna sing it anyway. (laughs) The sword in his hand and his face to the sky. He fought with the blessing of the great Yomadai. That's not right. So I'm just gonna sing it without the guitar. (laughs) With each mighty swing, his brave heart paved the way for the people of Feindar to run and escape. One hundred he vanquished, much evil he slew. I don't know about the math on that one really, but you know, embellish. It was uh, no, no, no. That's accurate. <laughs> Hero of Nirmathus, so noble and true, and a Malthuni scum. <laughs> For justice and freedom, his life carries on. For the spirit of Elwood will never be gone. And that's oh yay! You know, if you guys were doing um, leveling by experience, you probably would have out leveled them being able to kill you in any good RPG. You know, <laughs> leveled went to max HP, and then you just kind of kept going. Well, it was that song that made Jason be like hero point. He's like, I'm not doing hero points in this campaign, and he's like, yeah. I-, I have to give him a hero point for that one. <laughs> and now I, I think we're phasing him out again. Now yeah, now I think we're like, I mean, no yeah. more hero points, because Andrew <laughs> my, got them all. <laughs> my standard, my standards for hero points are impossibly high, and it's got to be at that level, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that you say that, you almost have to keep hero points in there, because I will strive to get one. <laughs> Justin's you gonna something go remarkable enough. Legitimately go stab Don't someone stab like Frampton would in real life for the <laughs> hero points. Like, <laughs> you stab somebody today? Hero points. Hero points. <laughs> that is some dedication to character. He shows up with a yeah. knife to Jason's throat. <laughs> Come on. Talk about method acting. Hey, hero. Ten hero points. <laughs> Give me a hero point now. <laughs> well, to everybody watching the stream or listening to the podcast later, it's uh, it's been fun. Thank you for listening to uh, to my part in this story. Maybe you'll see me or hear me again someday. In the meantime, there's plenty of adventures to come with the rest of the party here. So uh, on that note, Fair. say good night, everybody. Have a good night. Thank Have you. Good night. Thank you for staying, enjoying, listening. Have a good one. <laughs> See you next week? Yeah, see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch these sessions performed live, be sure to find us on YouTube. Or follow us on Twitter at MildlyHeroic.com.